five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to episode 43 of One Man Watchpoint, an Overwatch podcast. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If this is your first episode, I am your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. You can follow me on all socials at Sir DRJM. So go ahead and give me a follow, especially on Twitter, where you can reach out to me uh, with questions, comments, concerns, topics, ideas, suggestions. Uh, queries, inquiries, anything for me to talk about on the show. If you do tweet at me there, um, I will be sure to uh, think about adding it into the show in some way because I'd love to interact with you. Now, you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services. Of course, Spotify, we've got Apple Podcasts, and we've got Google Podcasts, and etc., etc. Now, I'm not too sure what is included in that etc., etc., but if you do use a podcast service and you search for One Man Watchpoint and you do not find me on there, then let me know, and of course, I can help with that. Now, if you're finding us on the podcast services, leave us a review. Tell your friends all that fun stuff. If you leave us a review, I will read it on the next episode as well. So for today's show, we're going to be looking at the past week in Overwatch and the Overwatch League. Um, in comparison with last week's episode, this week will probably be a little bit short. Now, last week I was actually not feeling great at the time of recording, so I skipped the Owl recap where uh, normally I would recap the past week's games in the Overwatch League. This week I will not quite be skipping them, however I actually was pretty busy on the weekend so I didn't get to watch a lot of matches. That said, uh, yesterday and today during work, I did put a couple matches on in the background and, uh, you know, kind of worked with them on and everything. Um, as well as, of course, I uh, caught up on my regular Overwatch League podcasts, so I do have a little bit of insight thanks to those fine young gentlemen over there. Now, without further ado, let's dive on into the news. We don't have a ton to talk about this week. But we can spend some time on the Owl Recap that way. We can spend some time looking at our pickums, And of course, we can also spend some time with everyone's good friend, IBM Watson. Playtime's over. Now, before we dive on into the news, we are, of course, going to uh, briefly mention the fifth anniversary event for Overwatch is currently ongoing. We are now in the final week of the event. Of course, it runs through June 8th, and then the event will be over. Right now, the uh, play-to-earn reward is, of course, or final reward, is, of course, the 8-ball Wrecking Ball Epic Skin. Um, so this week, the rewards are themed around Wrecking Ball, of course, with a spray and a player icon, and then culminating with the Epic Skin. So if you are interested in that at all, if you're a Wrecking Ball main, or if you just like having these cool skins, then definitely seek that out. Get your wins in before the 8th of June, so that you can, of course, be awarded with that skin. And of course, this is also the final week then to purchase any of uh, the past events um, skins in general for a discounted price. Um, so I myself, uh, I usually like to wait until the, you know, the last couple of days of the event, and then I'll go through each character, kind of take a look at what skins I can get right now, and uh, make some purchases from there. One that I've obviously got my eye on, as I'm sure many people do, is the Funky Baptiste skin. Um, I'll be playing some matches to try and earn that, or, or get it as a lucky drop, I suppose. 
And if I do not earn it that way, then I will certainly be purchasing it because it's one of the best skins in the game. Definitely the best skin for Baptiste. So that's your PSA on the fifth anniversary event of Overwatch. Go ahead and get in there, get your wins, get your skins. And without further ado, we're now going to move on to the news. Oh, uh, we have to get this thing moving again. All right, our first story of the week takes us over to dotesports.com. It is, of course, an article by Liz Richardson written on May 27th, and it reads a little something like this. Toronto Defiant adds DPS Aspire on 30-day contract. As the Toronto Defiant battles at least three confirmed COVID-19 cases, one Overwatch contender's DPS will step up to provide support for the team. Luca Aspire Rolovic, a hitscan player for contenders teams like American Tornado and Dark Mode NA, has been added to the Defiant roster on a 30-day contract. He'll likely take over duties of Andres Logic's Bergmans, who's been battling COVID-19 and is unable to play or practice. Aspire is a hitscan specialist who was recently signed to American Tornado, one of North American Overwatch contenders' most successful teams. He previously played for Dark Mode NA, which lost to American Tornado in the grand finals of the April Contenders North America Tournament. Aspire was a key player for Revival, another North American staple, and was often loaned to other teams. The Toronto Defiant announced that Aspire will be on a 30-day contract. Overwatch League teams are allowed to add players on 30-day contracts as long as they have seven rostered players on season-long contracts, according to the 2021 roster construction rules. After his time is up, Aspire will become a free agent. The addition comes at a time when the Defiant is dealing with the... Sorry comes at a time where the Defiant organization is dealing with at least three confirmed positive cases of COVID-19 within its camp. No specific details on cases involving players have been announced, but adding a new DPS player on short notice speaks to the severity of the situation. Aspire and the Toronto Defiant will play the San Francisco Shock on May 29th at 3.30pm CT. So, as we reported on last week, of course, um, and as Liz referenced in her article there, the Toronto Defiant dealing with three confirmed cases of COVID-19 in their organization. Um, Logix seemingly was uh, definitely struggling quite a bit. Um, he was in the emergency room uh, in Toronto, in a Toronto hospital uh, because of his symptoms and everything. I think I read he was having some some problems breathing, respiratory problems, which is obviously always scary. Um, so first of all, I mean, we hope that Logix and anyone else affected is is on a path to recovery and healing quickly and doing well at this point. But then, of course, there is Aspire coming to join uh, the Toronto Defiant for this past weekend's games. So we'll talk a little bit more about Aspire and the Toronto Defiant and how they did, obviously, against San Francisco Shock, as well as in their other match, which was against... I can't remember who it was against at this very moment, but that's okay. We will talk about that in the OWL recap, but uh, certainly an exciting one to see coming across because of his success with uh, American Tornado, as well as, um, you know, just in contenders in general. So as you will see, uh, things didn't necessarily pan out for Toronto, but I think they certainly panned out for Aspire. But we'll cover that in a little bit. Next story is going to keep us on DottieSports.com. It's going to keep us with Liz Richardson as well, and it's even going to keep us on May 27th, where we have this article titled, Vancouver Titans Signs Main Tank Changsik. Former Fusion University player Moon Changsik Changsik, 
Changsik is his last name, apparently, is joining the Vancouver Titans, the Overwatch League team announced today. He'll be taking over the main tank slot after an abrupt retirement from Shredlock earlier this week. Changsik is a veteran in the Overwatch scene, having played for teams like Meta Athena and Kongdu Panthera in the earliest days of the esport. He joined Fusion University in late 2018 and was a part of the team's multiple North American Contenders title wins, as well as an Atlantic Showdown Championship. He hasn't played competitively since his contract with Fusion ended in 2019. Through most of 2020 Overwatch League season and the most recent offseason, Changsik was actively looking for a team and seeking opportunities. Last week, Changsik broke a relatively long period of silence on social media to post the requisite eyes emoji indicating a potential signing. After Shredlock retired earlier this week, the bare-bones Vancouver Titans roster was left without a main tank. Changsik could breathe new life into the team, which has yet to win a game in the 2021 Overwatch League season. Vancouver started the June Joust tournament cycle with a bye week, which was beneficial for learning the meta. Changsik's first game with the Titans will be against the Los Angeles Gladiators on May 28th at 3.30pm CT. So, um, congrats to Changsik, obviously, for coming in. Again, as reported last week, um, Shredlock's, you know, as, as Liz mentions here, abrupt retirement meant that Vancouver did not have a main tank. Um, however, if you follow Halo of Thoughts on Twitter, um, Aaron, he did uh, sort of, uh, I don't want to say leak the news, but he obviously got a tip off that it would be Changsik coming over to Vancouver, and here we are. So, Good for Changsik uh, making the jump. Hopefully he can find some success in the league and also help Vancouver find some success because Lord knows they need it right now. Now, our next article is going to take us over to Dexerto.com with an article by Michael Gwilliam, also on May 27th, which reads, Overwatch May 27th update nerfs McCree, buffs Reaper, and Moira. Patch notes. A new Overwatch patch has gone live on PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch consoles with some major changes to a number of heroes including some long-awaited nerfs to McCree. McCree has been a dominant force in the Overwatch League and Owl for some time, and finally the devs are giving him the business, nerfing both his reload time and roll range. With a longer reload, his damage will certainly be scaled back, and with his roll range decreased, it won't be able to get away from dive tanks such as Winston as easily. Baptiste is also getting a slight nerf to his exo boots. With a one second charge charge time to jump, he'll be a bit more vulnerable. This isn't the change many had wanted as Immortality Field remains strong, but it's at least a step in the right direction to balance his support with an overwhelming kit. Next up for buffs, the devs continue to go all in on Moira's healing this time letting her resource recharge three times as fast as when her coalescence ultimate is active. Sorry, that was a mouthful. It seems like Blizzard has completely abandoned the idea of giving Moira any utility, so this should keep her the strongest healer in the game by a wide margin. Reaper is also getting a significant buff to his lifesteal, seeing it once again rise to 35%, meaning for every 100 damage he deals, he'll regain 35 HP. The devs say that this... that the change to his shotgun range made this buff a necessary adjustment, adjustment and brings him back to where he was before. Finally, Zarya is seeing some significant damage scaling to her particle cannon, which will make her a tad bit weaker. This comes as Zarya remains a strong pairing with Reinhardt and the double bubble team composition with Winston. Of course, experimental patches are subject to change, but it looks like this is the meta we'll have on our hands for the Overwatch League Summer Showdown Tournament. They then have the uh, full patch notes there with uh, obviously the develop- developer comments commenting on 
each of the changes that they made to these heroes. Um, I'm just taking a quick peek. It looks like those are the only real hero changes that uh, that Michael outlined in the article there. Um, if you're curious, go seek out the patch notes and you can read what the developers actually say. Um, I don't think there's anything too interesting here. Probably, in my opinion, the most interesting one is Moira because ultimately, I don't think most people find Moira to be that exciting of a character to play. Um, and uh, like... Yeah, she's she's a powerful healer, but ultimately she's kind of the, in a lot of ways, the sort of autopilot healer. Um, and, you know, resource regen now three times higher while channeling Coalescence basically means when she comes out of Coalescence, she'll be fully loaded to go again. Um, and what we'll likely see is just a ton of Coalescence, right? Um, for any Moira that can stay alive for any amount of time and keep her team healed up, she'll basically just be building this coalescence lightning fast and then blasting through it and then building it up and then it honestly feels a little bit like moira is going to be a must-have healer on on almost any comp so you know take with that what you will um i personally again i'm not a huge fan of moira i do kind of prefer the other supports to her um but you know i digress i mean anyone can play moira really so there you have it uh not too much to talk about there and i think michael did kind of a good job recapping what's going on or what it looks like uh, these updates are bringing. Moving on from there, we are actually going to our final news story of the week. So as I mentioned, you know, not a ton of news happening this week, whereas last week I was shocked at how much news there was, but that's okay because it leaves us more time to look at games, upcoming games, and of course talk to Watson. So let's dive into our last news article here posted on may 28th we're going to go back to dotesports.com we're going to go back to liz richardson and this time the article reads florida mayhem cuts ties with partnered streamer samito over rant on stream overwatch streamer sam samito dawahair will no longer be affiliated with the florida mayhem the team announced today after a rant that encouraged self-harm surfaced over the past few days during a May 26th stream, a visibly angry Samito responded to a viewer in his chat by telling them to, quote, go be brain dead somewhere else, end quote. He then began an expletive-filled rant, repeatedly insulting the viewer and telling them they didn't matter and to leave his stream. At the end of the monologue, he tells the viewer, quote, no one loves you, go kill yourself, end quote. The clip can be found on YouTube, but includes graphic verbal content. They then have the tweet by the Florida Mayhem organization embedded in the article here, and it reads, effective immediately at Samito FPS is no longer affiliated with the Florida Mayhem. Full statement below with an image of the full statement, which reads like this. Effective immediately, Samito will no longer be affiliated with the Florida Mayhem. The comments made by Samito on his recent stream are unacceptable and in no way represent the values of the Florida Mayhem. Florida Mayhem will be making a donation to the National Suicide Prevention Line, a suicide prevention network of over 160 crisis centers across the United States that provides 24-7 service to those in need via their hotline 1-800-273-8255. There is always someone at the end of a phone line, and it's important to know there is support if you need it. Now, once again, let's read that last section. National Suicide Prevention Lifeline 24-7 United States-based Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. I wanted to reiterate that because that's important for anyone. The article continues. Samito apologized to the viewer, but the mayhem took swift action. Quote, the comments made by Samito on his recent stream are unacceptable and in no way represent the values of the Florida mayhem, end quote. The team wrote in a statement posted on social media. 
Samito has been a partnered content creator with the Florida Mayhem for a little over a year, producing videos with the team and providing Overwatch content. He was previously a flex DPS player in the Overwatch contender scene, playing for teams like Triumph and Phase 2. In an apology video, Samito said that he, quote, made a mistake, end quote, and does not blame the Florida Mayhem for its actions against him. Quote, I'm 100 accountable for my actions, end quote, he said, but also said he was recycling an insult used by someone in a Call of Duty game the night before. Samito threatened to take legal action against the original poster of the rant clip for, quote, cropping evidence, end quote, and not including the original apology. So I won't dwell on this too much um, other than to say it's too bad that Samito, uh, you know, in a lot of ways went off the rails as he did. Um, I personally have not watched much content from him or anything like that, although I do follow the Florida Mayhem closely. I don't typically follow a lot of the partnered streamers with the exception of the Toronto Defiance, uh, CarQ and Fran. Um, well, and a few others, but I digress. Um, ultimately, I, I think, you know, Florida made the right call here. Um, there, there just isn't a ton to say other than people need to uh, be careful what they say and think before they react to things in such a way. Um, you know, obviously suicide and things like that are no joke. And that's why uh, Florida released the statement there. And of course, uh, included the information for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. So good for Florida for taking swift action there. Um, you know, good for Samito for apologizing. Doesn't necessarily excuse what he said, um, but at least he understands what he did was wrong and he will now suffer the consequences. So there you go. Now that is actually all we have for news. So as I mentioned a couple times now, short news week, but I think that gives us a lot of time to move on to the OWL recap. There's no stopping me. All right, so as I pull up the last week's games here, we are going to start on Friday, May 28th, with a bit of a wash in the London versus Dallas game, where, of course, Dallas came out on top over London with a 3-0. Now, that kind of, in a lot of ways, set the tone for the weekend, um, at least looking at the score lines. Um, and for the most part, uh, for a lot of the games that I watched, um, you know, we had a weekend full of 3-0s. Uh, the, the games that were 3-1s were probably a bit of a surprise in a lot of ways, um, you know, with, with the exception of maybe two of them, maybe three of them. I think the winner that came out on top was kind of the expected winner. So overall, not the most exciting weekend in the Overwatch League. However, uh, you know, if you're a fan of some of these teams, then I'm sure you enjoyed uh, seeing your team play. So as I mentioned first, on May 28th, we opened the weekend with the London Spitfire taking on the Dallas Fuel and Dallas coming out on top, as was in a lot of ways, I think, to be expected. Now, after that, we moved on to the Los Angeles Gladiators against the Vancouver Titans, where we got to see the Glads back in action after a uh, significant hiatus, as well as Vancouver, honestly. Um, after, you know, not making it very far in the May Melee tournament. And, of course, the Los Angeles Gladiators came out of the gate looking strong. Now, I actually want to... Bear with me. Will I pull up my predictions? Can I look at my predictions from last week? Do, 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 do. 
I don't know if I can. It doesn't look like I can. That's too bad. Uh, I was I was gonna say um, I don't remember what I had predicted for uh, for that matchup. I think if I recall correctly, I gave Vancouver one map simply because they have taken a single map off of many other teams, um, many other decent teams as well. However, the Los Angeles Gladiators, I think, were just itching to get back into things and also seemingly have had uh, some productive time off because it seemed like the overall impression this weekend is that they kind of got their stuff together. Um, they seemed like a lot more cohesive of a team uh, working together and uh, just having a lot more success than they had previously. Now, after that, we moved on to our Saturday matches, starting with the Eastern region, which saw Shanghai face off against the Los Angeles Valiant. Now, of course, this should come as no surprise. Shanghai 3-0, the Valiant. Not a ton to say there. Moving on from there, next game of the weekend, still in the Eastern region, was the New York Excelsior facing off against the Seoul Dynasty. And Seoul managed to uh, pull out a win coming over New York 3-1. to Now, again, you know, I, I don't typically watch a lot of the Eastern region, but from the sounds of it, Seoul, uh, looking a little bit backwards this weekend, ultimately came out with the win over New York, but did not come out with the second win later in the weekend, as we'll talk about. Um, but hey, good, good for Seoul. Moving on from there, our first Western match on Saturday was the Houston Outlaws facing off against the London Spitfire in London's second game of the weekend, and the Houston Outlaws take it 3-0. So, Houston having a hot weekend, the London Spitfire not so much, however, I do feel like there were some pluses. Um, I didn't catch all of these matches like all of the uh london matches i did catch some of them and i did put them on in the background a little bit as well and i think the biggest takeaway is that london there's definitely an argument to be made that london is improving um i think where previously it looked like london was really kind of fumbling around and and uh you know a small fish in a big pond kind of thing um, given given the uh, contenders roster that they did bring up in the past offseason with uh, the British Hurricane becoming the London Spitfire. Um, but ultimately, they did look a lot better than they have. Again, obviously, they got 3 and owed by two very good teams, by the Houston Outlaws and the Dallas Fuel. But ultimately, um, you know, I think previously I had put a lot of hate on their tank line of Hadi and Mulfig, um, and I definitely thought they were looking a lot more cohesive. They they seem to be functioning as more of a unit. Um, and then, of course, you know, uh, just the rest of the team being able to work a lot better when you have that uh, more consistent tank line to, uh, to, I don't know, create your space and, and be out there in front of you. So ultimately... I, I do applaud London for their valiant efforts against Houston and Dallas. Nobody would have expected them to win. Nobody would have expected them to take a map. And I mean, hell, nobody would expect the Vancouver Titans to win either of those games or take a map. Um, or, you know, there are, there are definitely a few other teams that I don't think anyone would expect to do very well against Houston and Dallas. And looking at the standings right now, Houston is in second place overall and Dallas is in third place overall. So they are definitely two strong teams. Moving on from there, our second to last game on Saturday saw the San Francisco Shock returning 
taking on the Toronto Defiant. Now, I don't know anyone that necessarily would have said Toronto would come out on top in this match, um, given San Francisco's history. Obviously, San Francisco, a little bit of a question mark this season so far, simply because they did have some stumbles in the May Melee tournament. But ultimately, San Francisco, this is one of the matches that I watched uh, during the workday on Monday, I believe. And ultimately, San Francisco definitely shaping up a lot better. Now, uh, shaping up a lot better than they had looked previously. Now, the one caveat to that was definitely the Junkertown map, where the Toronto Defiant got two points and San Francisco only got one. Now, what truly happened there? I don't really know. Um, it was a little bit interesting, uh, some of the swaps that San Francisco was making um, between... Oh, you know what? I might even be thinking of different game maybe maybe i'm thinking of a different match when did twilight play twilight did not play in this match so i digress toronto looked strong on junker town but ultimately um san francisco came out on top with with a dominant showing on oasis in the first map um a convincing showing on hanamura and then another dominant showing on hollywood taking it all three checkpoints and Toronto only managing to cap the first point. So Hollywood in particular was not a good map for Toronto. Um, but ultimately some good takeaways for Toronto there. Um, it does, however, seem like in a lot of ways, and I'll talk about this in a minute, uh, my, some of my worst fears are being realized when it comes to, to Toronto, but I will mention that when I talk about their second game. Moving on from there, the Atlanta Reign took on the Los Angeles Gladiators in a much-anticipated match because I think this is one of the sort of first real tests of, of strength for Atlanta um, in a lot of people's eyes. I think, I know personally, I would have placed the Los Angeles Gladiators and the Atlanta Reign somewhere around the same position in the standings. And if we take a look right now at the standings, we will see that the Los Angeles Gladiators are in sixth place, tied with Seoul, and the Atlanta Reign are sitting in 11th place. So, as I mentioned, I think people had very high hopes for the Los Angeles Gladiators this season. A lot of people in their pickums were putting them top three of the league. And then, obviously, in the May Melee, uh, they turned out to be maybe a little bit slower to start than people had thought maybe a little less of a, a team dynamic than what people had hoped for. Atlanta, kind of a similar story. I think people were looking at Atlanta thinking, wow, the improvements they made over the offseason could really set this team up to finally break through that gatekeeper position that they've held coveted for so long. Um, and now that we're seeing both of those teams play, I think in a lot of ways it was very much a kind of similar matchup. Um, or, or it would have seemed to be. That said, the Gladiators came out on top 3-1. to one. So Atlanta, you know, putting up the best fight they could, couldn't even get a second map, so maybe Atlanta continuing to kind of be that gatekeeper, continuing to uh, float right around that middle position. Moving on from there, we go back to the Eastern region for our Sunday matchup, which was the New York Excelsior against the Los Angeles Valiant. Valiant coming out coming away with their second loss of the weekend and also in a sweeping fashion of three to zero after that the shanghai dragons took on the seoul dynasty and shanghai coming out with their second win of the weekend 
with a record of 3-1. Now then, we come back, still on Sunday, to the Toronto Defiant, now taking on the Houston Outlaws. Obviously, Houston coming off of a win against the London Spitfire, Toronto coming off of a loss against the San Francisco Shock, and yet again, Toronto takes one map off of Houston's three maps. I'm just going to open up the map breakdown here, and this time around... Toronto took control, which is maybe a little bit surprising given San Francisco dominated them so clearly um, in control, taking it 2-0. to zero. That said, uh, San Francisco is also known to have a strong control, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, so a strong control match uh, in general. So I digress. Toronto started things off with a good control map, taking it 2-1. to one. Um, I was especially excited watching uh that control because there were times when toronto really did look good there were times where they were juggling houston quite well um and cycling their ults you know again extremely well um but ultimately they did not make much out of anything after that um map two was rialto houston took it three to zero Map three was Volskaya. Houston took it two to zero. And then map four was Numbani. And again, Houston took it three to zero. Um, so Toronto, seemingly, they had something going on control. And after that, they lost hold of it. So um, what I wanted to say about Toronto, though, actually was two twofold. First, we should highlight Aspire because I think he really surprised. Uh, I don't know about really surprised, but he surprised a lot of people in that he definitely was earning his keep on Toronto. Now, that's not to say he he wouldn't earn his keep on another team. However, he is playing with a, you know a good tank line um, and some some decent supports that can really kind of prop him up and give him and Nast uh, Toronto's other DPS uh, room to work in a lot of ways, um, room to be successful. Um, Nast actually there there were a number of times where Nast really popped off as well. Um, so. I digress. Uh, exciting to see Aspire doing so well. And in a lot of ways, you know, you could definitely consider this his tryout for the Overwatch League, um, especially given uh, what I read in Liz's article there, which says that, you know, once his 30-day contract expires, he's officially a free agent in the Overwatch League. So another team could sign him, which definitely would be interesting. Now, the other thing I wanted to say about Toronto uh, is about my worst fears being realized which is the fact that it seems to me like the Toronto we saw maybe, I think I want to say it was the first week, uh, the like very first week of the season, is still having a lot of the same problems they were having back at the start of the season. It's that uh, lack of clear team synergy. It's that lack of clear cooperation with one another. Um, this is almost the same problem that I think Florida is having where there are times where everything gels, everything works, everything runs so smoothly, and these teams look so good. And I think they are top teams. They could definitely compete with some of the top teams. Um, but then, more often than not, they do not look like that. Uh, they have a lot of big individual plays. Like, again, Neist will pop off, um, or Logics will pop off in some, some fashions. Um, I'm personally a big fan of Sato and Michelle, um, their their tank line there I just for whatever reason I, I really respect them and I really think they work well together but there are just times where Toronto doesn't seem to to function as a unit 
And I think that's where they struggled the most. And again, I think this is a very similar problem as what we're seeing with uh, the Florida mayhem. Now, I do think Florida is is uh, quite definitively right now the better team. Um, I think BQB and Yaki just outshine Toronto's DPS lineup. Uh, you know, nothing against Toronto's, um, but I think their experience and everything is just a touch better. So anyways, my point is simply, I want to see Toronto do very well. Um, but I think they still have some things to figure out. And I think at this point in the season, you know, we are quite near the halfway point through the season. If there's 19 weeks in the season, uh, we're going into week eight. So we're about, you know, one, one or two weeks off from the middle of the season. And I would have hoped that Toronto would have figured out some of these things. Now, obviously there's the asterisk on all of this that, yes, we are currently in a hero pool stage, with the June Joust, so certainly teams are locked out of uh, using certain heroes, but at the same time, that goes both ways, right? The team they are playing against is also locked out of those heroes. That's why we don't see Dante playing Sombra. Um, that's why, you know, we don't see Logics on the other side, obviously playing Tracer, where uh, heroes that are traditionally very good for these teams and that players really excel on. So I digress. Those are just my thoughts about Toronto. I continue to hope to see more from them um, and see them get some wins where they really deserve them. So moving on from there, our middle day match on Sunday was the Vancouver Titans taking on the Atlanta Reign. Of course, Atlanta beat them 3-0. to zero, And this is when we get into what I like to call the Vancouver problem. Uh, Honestly, I would recommend you go listen to Plat the latest episode of Plat Chat. I know I talk about Plat Chat on next to every episode, if not every single episode of the show. Uh, but ultimately, uh, Sideshow does a really good job of kind of identifying the main problem with Vancouver, and they have a great discussion around Vancouver. And it is largely the fact that it doesn't seem like the organization cares at this point yes the players want to win of course they do they are competitive by nature and they are playing to win they're it's not like they're throwing uh as as avast says on plat chat it's not like they're inting they're not purposely losing but ultimately when you don't have an organization behind you that is cheering you on that is trying to prop you up that is uh, uh pushing you forward um you can only do so much. And it really does seem like a lot of these players, I don't want to say they're given up, but it, it's almost like, you know, if if Florida is the state, and I mean state, not Overwatch League, if Florida is the state where people go to retire and sunset their lives, Vancouver is that for at least the Western region right now. You go to Vancouver if you are kind of on your way out and you're just clinging to life in the league. Um, which is really unfortunate because obviously when, uh, for some reason I can never remember if it was second wind or third impact because I, I don't keep up with contenders, but when Vancouver imploded and brought the entire contenders roster of second wind, it was definitely second wind. Um, what was my point I was even making? Oh, when, when they acquired the entire roster, that was a great step for those players to be able to come in and say, you know, this is my demo reel. This is my resume. I deserve to be in the Overwatch League. And largely, I mean, Vancouver kept a number of those players for the 2021 season. Obviously, they didn't keep them all. Um, there were, you know, visa issues and 
and uh, and location relocation issues as well um, for some players, and maybe they just didn't think some players had it had enough to to stay in the league, or maybe players were asking for too much. You know, who knows what really goes on in those kind of negotiations and talks. But my point is simply. I think those players stayed in the league because they want to win. They want to be here. This was the goal. They want to be successful in the position they're in. But when the organization doesn't seem to be doing much to support that, I think it it takes a toll. And, you know, when you're losing game after game and everything as they are, it only becomes even more difficult. So uh, who knows? I look forward to a day when someone at the Vancouver Titans organizations outside of the immediate team, so, you know, the team and immediate coaching staff, uh, cares enough to allow these these players and these, uh, these people to really build a successful organization. I think it's clear right now that Vancouver doesn't care in a lot of ways. Um, you know, again, not the players, not the coaching staff. Uh, if I'm being honest, what comes to mind is there was there was a promotional video that they released, um, and I don't remember who it was, but he was he was welcoming sort of the players to Vancouver and everything after you know visas had gone through and people had got out of quarantine and everything, and he was you know giving them jerseys, giving them a welcome to Vancouver package, which is great. That's exactly the stuff you want to see, but he made a comment something along the lines of, you know, uh, winning is important, but uh, we want you guys to experience Vancouver. And and it, it came across to me like, yes, you're correct. You know, winning is important, but that's not what it's all about. But at the same time, the I think the tone he said it, the way he said it, um, you know, his, his body language, just everything about it very much was saying to me as as the audience was saying we don't care if you win we we really don't and i know they've also i know the organization has also talked about not necessarily wanting a top tier team right now but rather wanting an entry point and that's fine but i still think you have to be pushing you have to be uh, you have to have that desire and that motivation. You need to instill that in everyone so that they're constantly fighting. Again, look at a team like the London Spitfire where, you know, loss after loss, I don't think they have a single win this season, which is exactly the same situation that Vancouver's in. I'm just checking the score. I'm correct. London is actually sitting in last place behind even the Los Angeles Valiant, who also doesn't have a win this season. But London seems to be making strides. Um, you know, like I said, they they seem to be starting to click, whereas Vancouver, in my mind, seems to be starting to uh, fade out in a lot of ways. Again, I don't put this on the players. I don't put this on the the coaching staff or or the staff. Honestly, I put this on the ownership. Um, if you know, if we're putting it on anyone, I don't blame the social media team or anything silly like that. I think this comes down to the the very top where. They wanted an entry point into esports. They didn't really care what the esport was. They didn't really care about the game itself. Seems like maybe they didn't really care about a lot. Uh, and and obviously they they lucked out with the roster that they had. Um, 
with the original Vancouver Titans. But uh, I don't know. It's frustrating. And I say all this, obviously, as a fan. Um, you know, I, as much as I am a fan of the Toronto Defiant more so these days, um, a lot of that comes down to these same things. You see the organization caring. You see the organization putting in the effort, putting in the work. You see people on Twitter who are close to the organization celebrating the community and building a community in general um, and being supported by the organization. Whereas you don't see a lot of that from Vancouver. You see them putting out content. You see them trying to make things happen. But again, I feel so strongly that it comes from the top. You need to have everyone buy in right at the top. And if you do that, I mean, the saying is SHIT rolls down the hill, right? It will roll down the hill. It will cascade through the organization. Everyone will feel this energy. Everyone will want to do better. Um, everyone will want to be better and, and build a better, more successful organization rather than just being there, you know? Um, I think on Platchat they talked a little bit about relegation. And that's that's the fact in my mind is Vancouver, if there was relegation in the Overwatch League and teams could bounce to contenders, then that would be the path that Vancouver is on. Whereas you look at a team like London and they are fighting to stay in. They are fighting even though they have a worse record than Vancouver right now, they technically are zero, uh, zero wins and eight losses, whereas Vancouver zero wins and six losses. And then London also has a negative 20 map differential. Vancouver only has negative 14. They're not far off, but Vancouver's only slightly better. And I think the trajectory that Vancouver is on is a downward trajectory, trajectory sorry, where London is at least fighting to stay out of that. Now, it's almost too bad the league doesn't have relegation because then maybe that would be the kick in the pants to tell Vancouver, hey, you got to be doing something here. The organization, maybe you bring in someone new, um, you know, who's who's been playing recently. Um, nothing against Changsik or anything, but maybe you try a little more to make some moves and make something happen and instill some confidence in your players that you believe in them. Because ultimately, again, I just feel like the organization doesn't believe in these people and and doesn't have any goals or any 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 thought for them so anyways that was kind of a long rant about vancouver um vancouver lost their game three to zero against the atlanta rain good for atlanta but ultimately again atlanta still sitting in 11th uh with with four wins four losses still seeming like that gatekeeper team at this very moment so Anyways, I digress. Final game of the weekend was the Dallas Fuel facing off against the San Francisco Shock in a much-anticipated game. Obviously, the Dallas Fuel, the champions of the May Melee Tournament, uh, and a strong team coming off of a win against the London Spitfire at the start of the weekend, playing the San Francisco Shock, who are coming off of a win against the Toronto Defiant. This was one of the matches that I did catch the replay of uh, yesterday or today while working, while getting lots done. And once again, San Francisco comes out on top on the control map, which was Busan. San Francisco then takes Dorado. And then in what was probably one of the most fun-to-watch Temple of Anubis battles I've ever seen, uh, there was a huge back-and-forth on the uh, second checkpoint um, <laughs> that decided the map. Uh, decided it in a tie, really, but decided the map overall. And, oh my gosh, it was 
just fantastic to watch. I would definitely say if, if you're going to rewatch a match at all, go to Temple of Anubis uh, in this Dallas versus San Francisco match because it was exciting. Uh, Eichenwald then went to Dallas, giving them the one point that they did score. And then finally, Ilios back to San Francisco 2-1. to one. So Dallas actually put up a really strong fight. Uh, the score obviously doesn't quite reflect how well they did do. Um, we saw a lot of good stuff from, from their DPS lineup uh, with Sparkle and Doha. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, can't say, I can't say enough about them because I really did think that they were doing exceedingly well. Um, but San Francisco just, you know, seems like they might be coming back. Maybe they found their mojo, which, I mean, hey, classic San Francisco, you know doesn't do super great at the beginning of the season, doesn't doesn't kick things off with a bang, then they find their groove, and then they just start dominating again. Uh, I was happy to see Twilight step back in on Eichenwald. I always love to see Twilight play because, again, you know, he is definitely a top-tier player in general um, and certainly a uh, a top-tier Ana player, probably one of the best Ana players in the league. Um, so I was excited to see him come back in, and then ultimately on Eichenwald, they had to switch over to a Lucio Moira comp, which, you know, uh, Violet on the Lucio, Twilight on the Moira, just kind of boring there, but but I digress. Um, I love seeing Twilight play, so I was happy with that. And ultimately, that match goes to San Francisco 3-1, to one. so San Francisco had a big weekend, Dallas had a decent weekend. Um, should be proud of that match against San Francisco as well. And I think we're all now looking forward to seeing a rematch with San Francisco and Dallas. So that is it for the Owl recap. That was uh, this past week in Overwatch. And if I'm being honest, like I said, uh, I was busy, so I didn't catch all the matches I would have wanted to or I would have normally. Um, I'm going to be busy this weekend as well, which which kind of sucks, but... Uh, We'll see how it goes. We'll see what matches I can catch up on afterwards, um, ultimately for week eight. And that leads us nicely into our preview of the upcoming week. But before we do that, let's pay our good friend Watson a little visit. Excuse me for dropping in. All right. So over on Watson's uh, power rankings here, we're going to start by looking at the support role and in the number one position we currently have fielder with the dallas fuel number two is iziaki with the san Fran no wow san francisco shanghai dragons number three is crimzo with the houston outlaws number four is lijigon with the shanghai dragons and number five is jexy with the dallas fuel so looking at these top rankings here um nothing too surprising honestly um Oh my god. Uh, uh, that's a yawn. Pardon me. Um, nothing too surprising, honestly. If I mean, if we look at the standings overall, um, we currently have Shanghai, Houston, Dallas in the top three positions. And if we look at the power rankings with Watson, we have Dallas, Shanghai, Houston in the top three slot, and then four and five are Shanghai, Dallas. So things are certainly evening out a lot here. We're seeing those top teams players uh rise up to the top of the of the power rankings as well um because of those teams performances obviously in the top 10 the only other teams we do see for support are the florida mayhem in sixth for gang uh with gangnam jin 
We then see the San Francisco Shock taking the 8th and 10th place with Violet and FD God and Shu over on the Los Angeles Gladiators coming in at number 9. So that is our support players. Uh, the top three, again, all in the 130 range with Fielder in number one at 140, or 139. Sorry, So he's a full seven points ahead of Iziaki in second. So obviously Fielder is doing something right. Moving over to the damage roll. We once again, we see Shanghai, Dallas, Dallas, Shanghai, Houston. And that is Lip, Sparkle, Doha, Fleta, and then Happy. I'm glad to see Happy in the number five spot there. Um, I think Happy on the Houston Outlaws has impressed uh, this season so far. I definitely enjoy him on the DPS role there. And then, of course, you know, no surprise with Lip and Fleta in one and four. And then Sparkle and Doha in two and three, um, which is really exciting for Dallas, obviously, because of uh, the sudden announcement um, that we weren't going to be seeing Exe play for them on the DPS role. So obviously Dallas making out just fine without him. Moving over to the tank role yet again, we've got Dallas, Shanghai, Shanghai, Dallas, Houston. So Fearless over in the top spot on Dallas. Fate and Void taking two and three with Shanghai. Number four is Hanbin on the Dallas Fuel, and number five is Piggy on the Houston Outlaws. So again, things are, are mostly just taking shape now, and we're really seeing these teams and players land where we would expect them to see with the success that these teams are having. If we take a look at the overall rankings of players, though, we start off the list with Fearless on the Dallas Fuel, Number two is Fate on the Shanghai Dragons. Three is Lip on the Shanghai Dragons. Four is Fielder on the Dallas Fuel. And five is Void on the Shanghai Dragons. If we look at the top 10, the only other team to make an appearance in the number seven slot is Piggy on the Houston Outlaws, which again, deservedly so. Um, Piggy uh, definitely putting in the work on the Houston Outlaws. And you know what? From there, if we expand things out to the top 13, we have one more appearance by uh, Crimzo in the number 12 slot. But outside of that, it is entirely Dallas and Shanghai taking up all of the top uh, 11 or taking up 11 of the top 13 spots. So again, we're really seeing things even out now. Florida keeps sneaking in there. You know, they're, they're in number 14, OG in number 14's position, uh, Gangnam Jin in number 17, whereas Houston and Dallas are taking up those other middle spots. What will be interesting is to see how San Francisco continues to do. Because, you know, in the overall rankings, we see Nero in 20th. He's the first appearance by San Francisco. But before that, it's entirely Shanghai, Dallas, Houston, Florida. So uh, San Francisco, obviously, looking to break on through there. Now let's look at the actual team power rankings, where we actually see the Shanghai Dragons in the number one spot and the Dallas Fuel dropping from number one to number two with Houston Outlaws in number three. And the interesting thing about that is if we look at the overall rankings of the league right now, Shanghai's number one, Houston's number two, and Dallas is number three. So again, Watson, he's learning. He's, you know, it's learning, I should say. Um, and then, you know, we see the Florida Mayhem in number four. We see the San Francisco Shock in number five. And if we jump over to the main standings, 
San Francisco Shock at number four, Florida Mayhem in number five. So Florida, obviously, by Watson's uh, judgment, is getting a little bit more credit because of their tournament appearance in the uh, May Melee, whereas San Francisco did not make it into that tournament. But that's also why we see San Francisco climbing so many positions. They've in, they've gone up six positions, um, whereas Florida has dropped one. And that's because, obviously, San Francisco didn't play for so long and is now bringing in the wins, whereas Florida did play, so they got credit for that. Um, but now they're also... Uh, struggling a, a little bit they're not as dominant as they may have seemed um and also obviously they didn't play this past week so and then number six is actually the los angeles gladiators who are moving up eight slots um and that's again based largely on this past weekend's performance so so that's what things look like with ibm's watson so we are going to move on to the final segment of the show um I have definitely managed to stretch this one out after spending a lot of time on the recaps and obviously my little bit of a rant there uh, about the Vancouver Titans. But let's move on to my uh, pickums because I want to pick my pick my winners for this upcoming weekend. So first up, oh, we're playing on Thursday again. Uh, this can't be the this can't be the June joust, right? Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday. All right, I digress. First match of the week, Thursday, June 3rd. We see the Boston Uprising taking on the Paris Eternal. This could actually be the match of the weekend, honestly. Honest to honest to honest to God. This could be the match of the weekend. Um, Boston has been looking, uh, I don't want to say really good, but looking like they're on a roll lately. Uh, they're currently at a 3-3 three and three record. And the Paris Eternal, looking like Paris of all of the predicted-to-be-bottom teams, looking like the one that is actually maybe going to rise above the ranks. They're sitting at 2-4 and four right now, so Boston is actually only two spots above them in the overall standings uh, at 14 and 16, respectively. But man, who do I want to give this one to? I'm going to give it to Boston, but I think it'll be close. I'm going to give it 3-2, to two, and that could easily flip... If, uh, you know, if Paris steamrolls Boston at some point, or if Boston goes up two and then Paris gets two as well, I could see the momentum carrying Paris past Boston. But ultimately, man, do I want to flip my, my guess? No, I think I'm going to go Boston three to two. After that, still on Thursday, the June 3rd, we have the Dallas Fuel taking on the Florida Mayhem. Now... Dallas, obviously on a roll, obviously doing seemingly well. Um, you know, yes, they lost against San Francisco, but ultimately San Francisco looks like they're doing really well. Florida didn't play this past weekend. I want Florida to do well. Uh, this one could be this one could be a close match or it could be an absolute roll. I, I don't know which way I want to go on this one. I'm just trying to think about what we've seen from both of these teams already. Ultimately, if I'm following my heart, I think Dallas is the better team. I hope Florida shows up. If Florida shows up, they could make this a 3-2 to two game. I do think Dallas will win. If they don't show up, this could be a quick one, and it could be a 3-0. Oh. Where do I want to go? I think Florida is going to be itching to stretch their legs again. I'm going to give it to Dallas 3-2. to two. 
and I'm going to cross my fingers that I'm actually wrong on this one because I want to see Florida win. Yep, that's it. I'm leaving that. Moving on to Friday, June 4th, the Boston Uprising will take on the Los Angeles Gladiators, and I'm going to give this one to the Los Angeles Gladiators. 3-0 to zero or 3-1? to one. I'm going to give it a 3-0. and oh. I think Los Angeles is building the momentum. I think they're on a roll now. Um, yes, Boston is a little bit of a weaker team. Um, I think they're going to take advantage of it, though, and I think they're just going to roll them. So moving on from there, San Francisco against Vancouver. San Francisco is going to win 3-0. I don't even need to talk about it, and you probably understand why. Moving on from there, the Florida Mayhem will have a rematch against the Washington Justice, who they rolled in order to gain their entry into the May Melee. Um, Washington... Not the powerhouse people thought they were, I think, uh, especially after their, you know, their fantastic opening to the season when they didn't make it into the May melee. I don't know if that was like a shock to them and now they're just not able to recover from that. Um, but I think it feels a lot like their cracks are showing. So I'm going to give this to Florida. I'm I'm going to give it a 3-1 to Florida. I don't think it's going to be as dominant as it may have been in the past, but ultimately I do think Florida is going to take it. Moving on from there, Saturday, June 5th, we start the weekend off with the Paris Eternal taking on the Los Angeles Gladiators. This is a double points pick-up match, and I'm going to give it to Los Angeles 3-0, to zero. Um, especially if they 3-0 Boston. I think they're just going to be on a tear. Um, Paris could take a map off them, but ultimately I'm going to give it to them 3-0. to zero. We then, man, oof, this is a tough schedule for Vancouver. <laughs> we then see the Vancouver Titans take on the Dallas Fuel. So they're going to open the weekend by taking on the San Francisco Shock. Actually, let me rephrase that. After getting wrecked the prior weekend, they're going to open the next weekend taking on the San Francisco Shock, where they're going to get rolled 3-0. to zero. Then they're going to take on the Dallas Fuel, winners of the May Melee. Once again, it's going to be 3-0 in favor of Dallas. After that, San Francisco takes on the Washington Justice in a probably highly anticipated match, given how well a lot of people thought Washington was going to do. If Wash if the same Washington that showed up this past weekend shows up this weekend, then Washington is going to get 3-0. Um, Washington took way too much time to make any decisions. They didn't know how to play, and San Francisco traditionally is a much more aggressive, much more in-your-face, uh, high-tempo team especially with uh, supports like FD God right now. If Washington shows up, I think they could take a map, maybe two. I don't think they'll get more than one map off San Francisco. I'm going to give it to San Francisco three to zero. Moving on from there, we have our Gamble region, which is, of course, the Eastern region. We start things off on Friday, May, uh, sorry, June 4th, with the Guangzhou Charge taking on the Philadelphia Fusion. Now, I don't know what happened to Philly the last time they played, but they got rolled. Do I give this to Guangzhou? Oof. I really just don't know where they're at. I'm going to give it to Guangzhou. I'm going to say it's 3-2. to two. After that, we have the Chengdu Hunters taking on the Seoul Dynasty. I'm going to give this one to Chengdu. I hope they uh, have figured out the meta and are a little more successful uh, than they may have been previously. After that, the Hangzhou Spark take on the Los Angeles Valiant. Um, will Los Angeles get their first win? I don't think so. I'm going to say this is a... Let's go three, let's go three, no, let's go three, one. Because the next day, Saturday, June 5th, the Philadelphia Fusion take on the Los Angeles Valiant, and I'm going to give it to Philly, three to zero. After that, Guangzhou Charge take on the Seoul Dynasty. I already have 
Seoul losing and Guangzhou winning. I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to give it a 3-2-2. Two, two. Hopefully we get a more exciting match there. Then, finally, the Chengdu Hunters take on the Hangzhou Spark. I think uh, Chengdu is going to take it. I think it's going to be 3-1. to one. After that, of course, um, we then move into Knockout Sunday. So we're not at the finals of the June Joust just yet, uh, but we are getting close. Um, Knockout Sunday obviously will determine which teams make it into the tournament and which do not. So I'm going to save my predictions right now. Wait for it. Wait for it. It's loading. There we go. Predictions have been saved. All right. Oh, and you know what? Yep, there we go. We are all set on our predictions. So there you have it. And you know what? Looking at our schedule for the show, our run of show, sorry, that takes us to the very end. So thank you very much for attending and for sticking around. This was episode 43 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. If you are unfamiliar with the show, but you made it this far, you of course know that this is a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. You can, of course, follow me on all social platforms, especially Twitter, where you can reach out to me, you can tweet at me, you can DM me, you can engage with me there uh, with topics, questions, concerns, inquiries, anything you'd like to hear me talk about on the show, and I will happily do that. You can, of course, find One Man Watchpoint on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. Leave us a review, leave us a follow, tell your friends, all that fun stuff. If you leave a review, I will read it on the air of the next episode. Thank you once again for listening. If you are a dedicated listener at this point, I'm very glad to have you along for the ride. I enjoy doing this in my spare time uh, as, you know, a, a creative outlet in air quotes. Um, and I'm happy to have any small audience that I do. Um, but of course, I'd love to grow that. So if you like this podcast and you have friends that like Overwatch and want to hear someone blab on for an hour about Overwatch and Overwatch League, definitely recommend One Man Watchpoint. Now, without further ado, I will bid you good night, and we will catch you next week. Thank you 